Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. You know, we've been in a series, we've been, if you haven't been around, we've been in a series in the book of Exodus and it kind of just started on the, the last sermon of the 2018 calendar year and I gave it the title, The Exit Opportunity, and this is what the series is, and here we are in part five, and I thought I was done, and I think I have another week after this week. So we're really having some fun traversing through the wilderness with the children of Israel. How many of you are having some fun? Right, Mike, I know you're having fun, right? Anybody else over here? Are you dead over here? Because if you're dead, I'm going to stand over here for the rest of the time. I'm not going to look at you. I'm not going to talk to you, all right? How about we get our, how about we get our uh, instead of going on Facebook, why don't we get our face in the book today? Why don't we get in the Word? What's my, hey, where's that beautiful woman that I'm, you, there she is. Uh, yeah, I got it. I got everything. How about, listen to me, they're all worried that I'm going to forget because I am sometimes like a freight train. How about, did you hear my man Michael on the drums and Faye, right, and Faye, his girlfriend, Right? And then you've already seen Tommy over here on the keyboard. Yeah! I'm just wondering how many more people in this room can actually play. And you're sitting in your seat and you're a spectator. Guess what? In the kingdom of God, there are no spectators. We're looking for participants. I am so glad I am not in an Episcopalian or Presbyterian church today that y'all are with me. Nothing wrong with my brothers and sisters that are, that are that denomination. That's not what I mean, but you're alive today, right? It may be raining outside. It may be raining in your life, but he still reigns. Amen, right? He still reigns. He's still on his throne no matter what's going on. And Michael, I just got to point you out though. There, there are no coincidences. If you don't know this guy, he was a student in my class. How many years ago, Michael? That's got to be six years ago. Six years ago. And look today, he's here on the platform playing in church. That it was a divine appointment. You thought you were just taking my class and you don't even know me. And I didn't know you, but now we have a relationship. And now it's time for you, right? The ripples move on and you're supposed to be impacting other people just like the rest of us are, right? Don't wait for me to preach. I'm already preaching, right? Because of the spirit that was already here before I even got up here. Did you know the sermon doesn't start when I get up here on my feet? You know, Olympians, they train, they train in the dark. When we see them, when they're actually doing their thing and they're on TV, it's what they did leading up the preparation that is leading up. And we as a people are supposed to be preparing before we even walk in this place because worship is a weapon and the enemy does not want us to worship before we walk in here. I got to stop because if I just keep going like this, I won't get you out of here. And also, hey, listen, I'm going to preach and leave today. Is that all right? So I'm not going to stick around because I have to go into the city all right, my wife, is. she had to go to the doctor. She wasn't feeling well, but she killed it up here, right? Singing that's I, I could listen to that woman sing forever every day of the week, right? But we're going to see a show. I ordered tickets like, I don't even know, seven months ago for her birthday to go see, uh, to kill a mockingbird. She's an English lit teacher. So we're real excited about that, but I'm more excited first about preaching this sermon, all right? So I didn't abdicate my responsibility. I prepared and I'm ready to roll. And Lord, I just ask before we get into your word, Lord, I ask that you would do something in us today. 
Father, I ask that you would continue to move on us. Show us, Lord, what you've shown me, Father, in my feeble attempt to make this come alive, Lord. I ask that your spirit would do that. Do what I can't do. I know it's not a battle about might and power. It's your spirit that moves on people's hearts and moves on people's minds. So have your way, almighty God. Right now. Amen. It's kind of it's interesting. As I said, we've been in this book of Exodus, and, and that's where we're going to be, obviously, again today. In another book about that, uh, Michael Walzer wrote a book. It's called Exodus and Revolution. And I loved a quote that he had in here, and I kind of wanted to start this way. You know, we looked weeks ago at different parts of the Exodus story, and then we rolled into a few weeks ago, and they're going to be doing this at Kidmo. They're actually going to make a Red Sea. And they're going to part it with the, you know, the partitions in there, whatever those things are. You know I'm not handy. Whatever those wooden things are that go in the ground and they reinforce the building so it doesn't fall down, they're going to be making actually the Red Sea. Isn't that kind of cool? Right? That's why I was telling you what they do is, is incredible and you need to be asking them questions and getting into it and reading stories with them too about Almighty God. And here's the quote. And oh, by the way, why don't you tell, look at the person next to you and say to them, don't think big today. Let's think little. Don't think big. Think little. Right? Can we think little today? We're going to move little by little. We're not, we're not taking huge steps today. We're going to go a little bit slower. We're going to go a little. Is that okay? All right. I just needed your permission on that. Otherwise, I couldn't continue to move. And this is what he said. He said, wherever you live, it is probably Egypt. Second, there is a better place, a world more attractive, a promised land. And third, the way to the land is through the wilderness. I love that. Because here we are with the children of Israel, and they've spent 40 years in the wilderness, ultimately. 40 years. We're going to talk next week when things really change. In the, uh, uh, two, uh, uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, but I have one more part that this is all going to culminate in, and you're going to see, I think, something kind of neat. But when you think about it, they're traversing for 40 years in the wilderness. And I said to you scholars, commentators say, how long should the journey have taken? 11 days. 11 days, 40 years. That's a big gap. 11 days, that's what it should have taken. And I want to look at a story in Exodus 23. We're going to look at 11 verses today, and we're going to start in verse 20, and we're going to move down to verse 31. So if you have your Bibles, you may want to turn there. Obviously, Exodus is the second book in the Torah, second book in the Bible, all right? And here we go. I'm going to start there in verse 20. All right, this is what it says. See, I am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place I have prepared. Pay attention to him and listen to what he says. I will get into it in a few minutes. Who is this angel? Because you may be wondering who the angel is. The phone call that you just heard. That person on the other end is wondering, who is the angel? You're going to have to wait. Now, he will not forgive your rebellion since my name is in him. That's important. If you listen carefully to what he says and do all that I say, I will be an enemy to your enemies and will oppose those who oppose you. Let me stop. Can we just stop right there? Can I just stop preaching right there? God through Moses is saying to the children of Israel, I will be an enemy to your enemies. 
I will oppose those who oppose you. People better be careful because someone has your back and that someone just happens to be God. How crazy is that? Come on. Think about what it's like as a parent. What would you do if someone said something about your kid? Right? What would you do as a mom or a grandmom? What would happen if you were at Sight and Sound with your whole family over the holiday break and you're seated there in the row and I'm on the end of the row and that look toward the end of the row and there's a woman that's on my left. She's exactly on the end of the aisle and she's not. We have Nolan and Nolan is a special needs child and I lean over to her and I say, just so you know, we have a special needs child and she did not like that. She kind of had an attitude. I kind of thought that was ironic because I was at a show called Jesus and I'm in Pennsylvania and I think maybe, lady, you better really pay attention to what goes on in the show right now. But listen to me. She didn't have to worry about daddy. She had to worry about Grammy, who is in the front row. Listen, listen. You want to hear what she said? I just happened to talk about it last night. I threw it in the sermon. I, don't, I, I hope you don't mind, Pastor Linda. But she said, you know what? I may be a Christian, but I'm still Italian. <laughs> You better bow for that. How good is that? So true. But if that is true, listen to me, friends. If that is true, what about God when somebody really comes after one of his children? What is it like for God when someone comes after one of his children? God has our back. Man, I love that about God. I got to stop. I got I to gotta move on, right? My angel will go ahead of you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites, Jebusites, Samsonites, uh, Satellites, Termites, Parasites, and the dreaded of all the cellulites. And I will wipe them all out. And you're hoping you get those last ones wiped out because it's the new year and people at the gym, right? And you want those wiped out. Do not bow down before their gods or worship them or follow their practices. You must demolish them and break their sacred stones to pieces. Worship the Lord your God and his blessing will be on your food and water. Did you hear that? This is not, listen, we're not just telling a story from a group of people, God speaking to a people thousands of years ago. His word is living and active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword and it's here and it's applicable for our lives. Today, I will take away sickness from among you. Hmm. Anybody have sickness? Anybody want it taken away? Yeah, that can happen. And none will miscarry or be barren in your land. I will give you a full lifespan. Not a half lifespan. A full lifespan. I will send my terror. That's scary. I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. I will make all your enemies turn their backs and run. Wow. How come sometimes... We're afraid of the enemy and we're running from the enemy when the enemy should be running from us. Why are we running sometimes? He's a defeated foe. I'm not supposed to, 
just get through the I'm talking to myself. I will send the hornet ahead of you to drive again all the ites out of your way. Now, scholars debate this. Is this actually a, like a, a swarm of real hornets? Some scholars believe it is, or some other, you know, uh, apocalyptic, like crazy kind of scene where God says, I'm going to move them out. We don't know. Nobody knows for sure, if you're wondering. But I will not, here it is, here it is. I will not drive them out in a single year because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Oh gosh, I can't wait to get to the end of the sermon. But you have to have the appetizer and the entree before you can get the dessert, okay? So what is that, what is that thing you brought up years ago? Save your fork? So save your fork because the best is yet to come because you haven't had dessert yet. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. Little by little, I will establish your borders from the Red Sea to the Mediterranean Sea and from the desert to the Euphrates. I will give into your hands the people who live in the land and you will drive them out before you. You will drive them out before you. Do not make a covenant with them or with their gods. Do not let them live in your land or they will cause you to sin against me because the worship of their gods will certainly be a snare to you. You know what's interesting really when we look at this story? I think a lot of times as I'm just jotting down notes and I've I've read this passage maybe a thousand times over the course of the last two weeks, I think a lot of times we're waiting for God to show up in our lives and God is like, I'm kind of waiting for you to grow up. We're always waiting, God, when are you going to show up in my life? And God is saying, listen, I want you to grow up. But listen, it's little by little. I have any grandparents in the house, and you don't see your grandkids maybe a lot. And you see them because the parents, we see those kids every day, right? And you see your kids, and as they're getting bigger, sometimes it's imperceptible, and we don't see the growth. We don't see the maturation. But somebody will come on the scene that hasn't seen your son or daughter, and they'll go, oh, my gosh. What happened to John? Look at John. Look how big he is. It's imperceptible. And God is saying, listen, I'm going to do some things in your life, but they're not going to be so dramatic. We're so in love with the dramatic. We're so in love. We love promises. We don't like process. Michael talked about it at the table. When we talked about change, we want immediate change. But God says sometimes it's a gradual process. How come that's not preach more? How come we just preach about having, getting the victory right here and now before you leave? But how many of us know there are some things where it takes time to get rid of them in our lives? And there's nothing wrong with our faith if it takes time. And so many preachers have propagated a gospel that if things aren't happening and come to fruition in your life, that you don't have enough faith. And that is just not true. That's not the gospel. I don't know what gospel that is, but that's not, the, that's not this book right here. It's not the real gospel. And I see this story of the children of Israel, and I'm thankful that he already has the resources for them before he even gives them the assignment. How many of us know 
God has given us assignments, and some of them may be pretty big, but God is going to give us the resources that are required to see that which he already knew about, that which he put inside of us, come to pass in our lives. He knows exactly what it is, and he knows exactly what we need. And you know what? That's good for some of us. Maybe you're married to somebody that's difficult. You're supposed to, you can laugh a little bit at that. That's okay. He's given you the resources that you need. For, my wife is married to a difficult person. I'm a lot more difficult than she is difficult. She's pretty chill and other people that know her well, I mean, I freely admit that and she's not here. I wouldn't have admitted that if she was in here right now. But since she's not here, I can say that freely to y'all and I know none of you are gonna go back and say that to her, that I said that here this morning. Are we a community of believers that are going to take, right? You're going to give me your word. You're not going to say anything. But it's kind of wild. You know what? I don't do a lot of weddings. I don't do a lot of weddings. I'm kind of busy living in a couple of different worlds. But you know what? I was thinking, if I, I should start doing, there should be a piece, Pastor Linda, and she's the master. These, they're the masters of doing weddings, not me, right? But if if I was, I, sh- I need to, Steve, I need to put a piece in the wedding. You know what I want to call it? Realistic expectations. <laughs> Anybody? Realistic expectations. How many of us, right? I wish somebody sat me down and told me, and they say, listen, boy, when you get married to this woman that you love, you are going to go into a bathroom, and the bathroom is going to look like a pharmacy, There are going to be sprays and there are going to be lotions. And let me tell you something. When Megan is in the bathroom and she is not the only woman, so don't you give me the face like she's the only woman because a lot of you women are the same way. And when I go near that bathroom and I hear that, I run for the hills. I tell Jameson, run, boy. Get out of here. Who knows what mommy's spraying and doing in that bathroom. Well, you better put a suit on before you go in there. Right? Realistic expectations of things. And I have to be honest with you. I'm thinking about it too. And how many of us will be honest? Guys in here. Vanna, would you be honest with me? You ready for this? You ready? I know he's going to be honest with me. When you first got married, yeah, a long time ago, who gets ready first? Who's done first? Right. How many men in here, you would say, you get ready before your wife gets ready? Right? Be careful, some of you, as you leave here, right? Some of you are a little hesitant. Can I really put my hand up right now, right? But what's interesting, I'm going somewhere with this. What's interesting to me is, I think realistic expectations, anybody in here, you're just dating and you don't know if you're going to get married one day. I'm just looking around. A lot of people look married. I don't know really who's not married, whatever. But as I scan the audience, I don't know. You're not married, right? You are married. You're married. Congratulations. How long have you been married? Three and a half years. Let me tell you something, by the way, and this is in front of everybody. I love seeing you two in church every single Sunday. I really do. I love it. I don't get a chance to talk to you, but I love seeing you. So you're already married, but if somebody wasn't married, I would say, listen, man, you know what? With your wife, you better tell them, if you're supposed to be somewhere at six o'clock, you better set them back like daylight savings. Set them back an hour, tell them it's going to be like five o'clock, right? And then maybe you'll get there. But here's why I'm telling you that, because Megan and I had a conversation recently, and what was wild is, I said, I said, you know what, babe? I said, I think we're getting to the point in our marriage where I never thought I'd hear these words, but she's starting to say to me, I'm ready when you are. 
And I'm kind of like, what? What do you mean you're ready? I'm not ready yet. What do you mean? You're supposed to, I'm supposed to be sitting downstairs waiting for you. Something has changed in the relationship. And listen to me. Why am I bringing this up? You ready for this? All right, you ready for this? This chapter, this is not uh, talking about a marriage, but this is a covenant relationship between God and his people. And for 400 plus years, they were in slavery and they were waiting for God. And they're saying, God, we are ready. God, when are you going to come liberate us? And now he has freed them. And God is saying, I want to take you into the promised land. I'm ready when you are. Are you ready to come in? He's waiting. And the sad part is, only two of a whole generation are ever going to make it into the promised land. Two people. Two. An entire people. How does that possibly happen? And Moses sent out the spies, and we talked about this weeks ago, and only two of the spies came back with a good report, and the other ten said, we saw giants in the land, and we can't beat them. They're too big. Really? How big has your God been? He has given you empirical evidence to point to his omnipotence and you still question whether or not he can move mountains in your life? Do it again. He may not do it the same way, but he's going to move again in your life. Forget the way and manner in which he did it, but he still wants to move in your life. Oh, I thank you for that. And so there's a shift in the relationship. And how many of us know just because they've been been brought out of slavery, freedom is an acquired taste. Freedom is an acquired taste. You have to get used to it. So physically, they were brought out of slavery. We said last week, and I brought up the illustration of the Emancipation Proclamation, they had to move into it. Former slaves had to move into their freedom. Even though the government had said, yes, you are free, It took them time, and there was a process by what? How come we hate? We cheer for promise. If I said there are promises in this book, everyone gets excited, but when I say there's a process, people go, huh? You know it's true. Am I the only one in this room that feels that way? Don't make me feel alone. It's the way it happens, and so you see the shift in the relationship, and he takes them out, and giving you a little backdrop, giving you some of the background of this, So he's given them the Ten Commandments, right, before this, in chapter 20. He's given them these Ten Commandments, and he's laid things out. Now, can we just stop there for one second? Because I know when people hear Ten Commandments, and they look at that, and we look at some of the laws, do you know God did not lay out the Ten Commandments and give Moses and the children of Israel the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament to prohibit them? Did you hear what I just said? So many times we look at God's principles, and we look at his precepts and his laws, and we go, man, God's, he's just, there are just things that God doesn't want you to do. He's hiding all of the good stuff, and he wants you to do all the stuff that's not fun. How many of you have a dog? You have a dog? Right, you have a dog. Do you put a fence in your yard for the dog? Yes, you put a fence in your yard for the dog. So when Fido goes outside, 
He has parameters and freedom by which he can live in. And God says, I have laid out principles and I have given you all of this freedom inside of this area because I just don't want you to go outside and get hurt like you don't want your dog to run out in the street and get hit by a car. He is a good God. And how about all the things we can do? Set of all the things we can't do. And there's a lot more to the Ten Commandments, but he does that, right? And then he gives them laws and regulations and statutes, and he talks about social injustice. He talks about how we treat other people. He talks about foreigners. He talks about immigrants. He talks about building a wall. He didn't, he didn't talk about that. <laughs> just in light of what's going on in the world. I'm not taking a stance on it. Don't, I'm, not, I'm not pro. I'm just saying he just kind of whatever. And then when you look at, can we look at, (coughs) excuse me, can we look at verse 20? Because there are a couple of promises. I want to camp out here. There are three things I think I see in this text. It says, see, I am sending an angel ahead of you. Who is this angel? Many scholars, commentators believe this is none other than the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ. How crazy is this, right? The pre-incarnate Jesus Christ who is leading the children of Israel. I don't know what your Bible says. There may be a subheading about he, puts an, he sends an angel along the way or something about that. But this angel that God is sending is none other than his son, Jesus Christ. And you look at this, I'm sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place I have prepared. And that's the first thing I want to talk about. I'm going to be brief on the second one, not too long on the first one, but I'm going to spend a lot of time on the best one. On the third one, I think is the best part. And so it says here, the first part, it says he's guarding them, he's guarding their lives. How many of us know, we don't even know half of the time that God was guarding our lives? What if I took, and you would pretend this is a microphone, Mary, and I walked around this place, how long would we be here if I said everyone has to give a testimony as to an event that happened in your life, and as you were going through it, you didn't see the sovereign hands of God, but when you looked back in the rearview mirror and you turned around, you said, oh my gosh, that was God, and things that were twisted, and things that turned, and you know what? You forgot your wallet in the house, and you got in the car, and you were supposed to get in an accident on 4 and the devil thought he was going to take you out but God said no it's not their time and I got my hands on them and I'm protecting them and I'm leading them along the way he protects us he guides us he's there I mean, I can't, I just went through in my life, I was thinking about how many times that the mighty hand of God was there to protect me from myself stupid decisions Dumb things that I've done in my life. Watching even on the news, the guy that just, he, you see the guy that jumped off the cruise ship this week? See the guy that jumped off like 11 stories off the cruise ship? See, that's something I would have done, right? See, I was with my sister one time. Remember that, remember that time? That was one of the greatest moments of my life, but one of the stupidest moments of my life. I jumped off some cliff that was like 70 feet high. I still feel it right now. I, feel, I can fly, like whatever, man. I just, I was in the zone. I was, how many of you have done, done stupid things? I'm talking real stupid things. Okay, none of you have. All right. Okay. I'm the only one, I guess. And I have the microphone. Maybe you should come up here and you should preach. But here's the thing. In order for God to protect us, I love this, we have to be moving. We have to be in motion. 
You ever see, look at this, look at the text. I'm sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way. Along the way means we're moving somewhere. Instead of, and let me tell you, I applaud you today. You know why I applaud, applaud you today? How easy it would have been. Weak-minded people are home in their beds. On their, I'm kidding. On their couches. How easy would it, come on. How many of you had a big battle today to come to this place? How many of you had a battle? Come on, you had a battle to come here. There were other things you wanted to do. The enemy was telling you, you worked so hard this week. But you know what I'm glad about? You didn't give God your leftovers. You didn't say, you know what, God? I'm going to give everything to work. I'm going to give everything to all these other areas. But when it comes to building up my spiritual life, I'm, you know, I'm just too tired. And you're here today. You're, you should give yourself a hand. You're here today. Would have been easy for you to stay home. And I love it. He can't dispatch his assistant assistance for an assignment that we're not present for. We have to be present. We have to be moving somewhere. Come on. He's going to guard us along the way, but we have to be moving at a little brisk pace. We can't be stopped still. He says, I'll meet you. I'll guide you if you keep going. And it's not going to be easy. Is it going to be easy? Could somebody give me the verse in the Bible? Because I, I don't know. I don't know the Bible that well. Could you give me the verse in the Bible where somebody was called and God said to them, look, this is going to be real easy, right? Is there a chapter verse you want to give me where it's going to be so easy for you to carry out this task? How come when I read the Bible, I see so many assignments that are so much bigger than the person? God-sized assignments. Yo, Moses. Not Mo, forget Moses. How about Abraham? Abraham, you're going to have a baby. How old is Abraham when he has the baby? How old? How old? Chris, where is Chris? How old is he? Yeah, all right. So he's, he's, he's an old dude. He's on Geritol, right? How come God didn't say, you can have the baby when you're 40 years old? Because he says, God says, you know what? At 40 years old, you can do it on your own, and you would have known that it was you in your power. But since you're older now, and there shouldn't be any seed there, and you shouldn't be able to do this, you can only point to me and know that I am God, and I do the miraculous. Come on. It's amazing, too, when you look at people outside, you know, outside of the Bible. How many of you know this is Martin Luther King Jr. weekend? This is Dr. King weekend? You mind if the history teacher in me comes out a little bit? You mind if the history teacher in me comes out a little bit? Now, listen, I know I'm a white guy, and I'm preaching about Dr. Martin Luther King. Let me tell you something. In my, he's one of my heroes. In my study outside, in my prayer chapel, there is a large picture of Dr. King. Don't you come up, and I hear no one was perfect. No one but Jesus. I don't want to hear all the negative. Listen, the things that this man did and the brilliant mind that this man had, okay? Let's give him some credit. There are only, right? We look at, we look at the presidents. We look at Washington and Lincoln and Dr. Martin Luther King, the only other person that has their birthday recognized by our country. And you know what? Rightfully so. 
You know what? Rightfully so. Let's put a picture of Dr. King up. This is one of my favorite stories about Dr. King. I read this in a book many years ago. The book is Welcoming Justice. The author's name is Charles Marsh, and he describes one of King's most profound experiences with Jesus Christ. How many of us know? Now, again, listen, I'm a history teacher. I know I'm talking from experience. When we talk about Dr. King so many times, you know what happens outside of churches? It's all about racial injustice. We don't talk enough about the relationship he had with Jesus Christ. That's what you're going to hear in the world. You're going to hear is, I have a dream speech, and it should be heard. It should be heard everywhere. One of the greatest speeches in the 20th, one of the greatest speeches in American history. By the way, it wasn't the first time he gave that speech either. Do you know that? It wasn't the first time. He'd given it like six times before. Stop me, because I'll just keep going. Just, I'll turn this whole sermon into, right? So here he is. Listen. It was 1956. It is one month into the Montgomery bus boycott. How many people are old enough to remember that? Montgomery bus boycott in Alabama. I mean, you want to talk about racial tension. You want to talk about strife. So here is Dr. King. He got in very late one night after organizing some meetings. And there he is in his house and his wife and his young daughter. And they're in the bed. And he wanted to jump in the bed and get some sleep because he was so tired. And by the way, after he was assassinated and they did an autopsy on his body, he had the heart of an 80-year-old man from all the stress that he was under. And there he was. He wanted to get some sleep. And the phone rang again. And did you know he got 30 to 40 assassination attempts on average every single day to his house? And somebody on the other end of the phone said some menacing, evil, hurtful things from the pit of hell. And he couldn't go to sleep. He tried to go to sleep in the bed, but he couldn't because he kept going back in his mind to what was said to him on the phone. So he got up and he said, I'm going to go into the kitchen and I'm going to make some coffee. And he put up a pot of coffee and he sat down at the table and it was ready. And he started to drink the cup of coffee and the part, you know what leaders, a lot of times we don't get to see these pictures or these images, but he started to cry and he put his head in his hands because he didn't know if he had what it took to take the civil rights movement and end all of the racial prejudice and discrimination and overturn stuff that had been around and people that were oppressed for over a century, centuries. He didn't know. And then he said these words, friends. I heard the voice. He's crying. I heard the voice of Jesus saying, still to fight on and to trust that he was leading me in the conflict. And he said these final words. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. He promised never to leave me. No, never alone in the still of that Alabama night with phone calls coming in, the voice of Jesus Christ was greater than the voice of the enemy and something couldn't stop him. Couldn't stop the man. Did you know there was an attempted assassination on his life 10 years before he was finally killed? That a crazy lady came to a book signing in Harlem, New York? And she came in with a seven-inch letter opener. And she asked, are you Dr. Martin Luther King at his book signing? And he said, yes, I am. And she took that and thrusted it and stabbed him one inch away from his aorta. One inch away. And doctors said, the surgeon said, if you even sneeze, you probably would have ruptured that aorta and you would have been dead. But God had other plans. 
And you may say, well, he still was assassinated, but I would say God had a mission for him, and God said, I'm not done with you yet. I have another 10 years, and there's more you're going to do. You're going to write a letter from a Birmingham jail, and you're going to lay your life down. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., tell your kids about him. Take advantage of the time. I know it's a day off from school, but how about we tell them who this guy really was and how formative he was in this country. And the problem is we still have racial tension and we still have racial, we're still divided as a nation. Forget the nation, how about the church? Still just black churches and white churches, really? 21st century, come on. That's why I'm proud to be Joe Lecce's son. Because when I was a kid and I went up to the high school, I saw everybody in his office. I saw black. I saw white. It didn't matter who you were. I grew up across the street from other people. I don't see color when I see Jamal and Naeem. I see my brothers. Stand up for what's right. I don't want to make this a civil rights sermon, so I better move on. But how about the, how many of you know you get my point? You get my point? The task for him was bigger. He had to rely and lean on the risen Christ. The risen Christ. How about number two? All right, it says here that I will, I will take you to the place God promises to position us to where we need to be. How many of us know there are times though in our lives and we don't want to be positioned where he puts us? Anybody? You put in a position? How about the dude that's up here with the mic right now? Do you think I ever wanted to be? I tell you, I never, ever was looking for the microphone. When Pastor Linda was asked again, somebody asked me, how did this happen? How did this happen to you? And I'm like, I didn't look for this. She pushed me into it. She made me do it. <laughs> she did, no joke. She One day she came outside the church. I was so overwhelmed. I didn't know what was happening. All I wanted to do was read like her. And I'm like, I can't believe this. Usually you turn it to your father. Now I'm turning it to my mother. And all I want to do is read. And I'm sitting outside. And she comes in. She's like, you're going to share at the prayer meeting. What do you mean I'm going to share at the prayer meeting? I'm not sharing at the prayer meeting. I just want to read and sit here in his presence. She's like, no, God's got his hand on you. And he wants to do something in your life. And now looking back on it, I get it. But at the time, I didn't understand it. He was positioning me. And he's positioning you, some of you right now, and you don't know. I said at the prayer meeting the other night, and God keeps hitting me with it. We were t- I just started praying. He hit me with Jericho. I don't know how many times they had to go around seven, and it would have been easy for them to quit at four and at five. And what if they quit at six? What if they quit? They would have never seen that. We went there to Israel. We saw part of the Jericho wall. Fell down you don't know spoiler alert but here's the thing here's the thing he positions us but it would be so cruel if God said you know what I'm going to take the next step it's not it would not be kind if God said here I'm going to just move you in no 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 God says you have to take the next step you have to be the one to go in because otherwise if you don't have the faith to go in and believe that I'm giving you this promise, then you are never going to be able to fight the giants and the enemies that are in the promised land. You won't be able to. It won't happen. And that's what's so tragic, that they don't move into what God has already really given them. All you've got to do is go in and take it. Did you know that peace is optional? Did you know that joy is optional? 
You can have it if you want, or you can leave it here today. You want it what Jesus offers? He says, I'm giving you all of this. I'm giving you the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. He's given us that. We can just say we, we don't want it, and we can just kind of leave it here if we want. But God says, you have to take that next step. And so tragic that so many of them die there. The sea didn't sweep over them. The slave masters, the whips, they didn't defeat them. And here are the children of Israel. Where's your faith? Where's your faith? You ready for the best part or no? Yes. How about number three? In case you fell asleep, get up. And the last part is, here it is. He says, I'm going to guard you along the way and bring you to the place I have prepared. He will protect us. He will position us. And you bet he's going to prepare us. I think about it too. I mean, these, these Israelites, they're, they're on the run. They're afraid. They're afraid of all the ites, the Hittites and the Amorites. And, uh, I mean, you go on down the list and they're afraid. And here's what, what's perplexing to me. You ready for this? Why did God leave the enemies? In the, why did he leave them in the land, these enemies? Did you ever think about that? Like, it's pretty clear, right? God says, I'm going to be an enemy to your enemies. I'm going to oppose those that oppose you. Why the heck would you leave all of, if you're God, you can just get rid of them. You can, as we move in, why would you leave them there for us? Why? God, if you have promises, you have things, and we walk in, why should I have to fight anything? Why can't you just take it away? Why can't you just make it easy? And you know what? I think we need to change the way we see conflict. Can we change the way? You know, I feel like a lot of times you preach the same message and you just change the words. Can we start changing the columns when it comes to conflict? Because I know a lot of times in our lives, Michael, you said it at the table that you were comfortable when you came in here and then you changed and you were uncomfortable. I think a lot of times we associate comfort with God and we associate discomfort with the enemy and the killer thing is that so many people are losing in their faith because a lot of times the enemy will make us so comfortable that we don't need God and God will, he'll bring us to our knees and give us the grace to rise up because we're in conflict and we have it flipped. Can we change the labels? Can we stop running from our problems? The children of Israel are running away. They're running away from what they want. They want the promise, but they're running away and they didn't realize that the promise was the other way toward the conflict. Run toward the conflict. Don't run away from it. So many of us, I think as Christians, we're running away and what kills me is it doesn't make sense when I look at the story. If God wants to do something in our lives, why wouldn't you take it away, God, right away? Take it away. Why are you making me wait? Take it away. And in a lot of churches, you know what you hear? When you become a Christian, you accept Jesus Christ and all of your fear will go away. All of your tears will go away. That there will be, in essence, give me a tissue box, that God has a cosmic Kleenex. 
And God will take the cosmic Kleenex and wipe every single tear away once you become a Christian and everything will be good and you're going to be fine. But I found there are many nights when I'm up and there, are so, there still are some tears flowing. Can I get a witness in the audience? And I don't know. Why, why is that the case? But so many people are robbed and they've been taught legalism and they're hearing about all these rules and you just have to have faith and you can't have any fear. How many of us, when I did the first message in here and I had the two doors here and I had all the luggage, did all of your problems go away after that sermon? No. Because a lot of times change is gradual. A lot of times... We want things to happen so quickly. And listen, understand this. Don't walk out because, listen, let me make sure we're theologically sound. When we get saved, you are 100% saved. Your sins are forgiven when you come and you believe in the salvific work of Jesus Christ on that cross. You cannot be any more loved. You cannot be any more accepted than you are right now. But listen, salvation is not a 30-year plan. It is not a mortgage plan. It is not over the course of time I will eventually be forgiven for all of my sins. No, no, no. It happens once. It happens right then. And the Holy Spirit comes inside of us then at that moment. But there is a difference between being forgiven and being freed. Forgiveness is immediate and it happens right now. But to be free takes time. It's a process. Is this resonating with you? It's a process. So it takes time and it happens. How so? My title, little by little. God doesn't want us to have pride. If we understood and we look back all the time though and we see how we've grown in some ways, people can see it that are close to us. They can see us and go, man, that guy's really grown. She's really grown in that area. And maybe we don't see it because God doesn't want us to get too prideful. Can I talk about a word that is so churchy and I'm so sick of Christianese. You see, this is part of what I, I'm making a real concerted effort to come up with illustrations of things that will take some of the words that we have heard, the Christianese in terms that we've heard for so long and try to give images or try to make it really practical, right, for our lives. If I say the word sanctification for you, right, some of you are like, oh my gosh. Sanctification. How many of you have heard the word before? Sanctification means to be made, to be conformed into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. Is is it theologically, biblically accurate? Yes. But I'm sorry when preachers just throw these words around and I'm sorry, there's so many people that just don't get it. And they go, all right, what does that mean? What does that really look like? Can I give us, and this illustration may bomb. And let me tell you something. I ordered a gingerbread man this week. This is a gingerbread man. I ordered one this week, four o'clock in the morning. I had it last, I don't know, it disappeared. The gingerbread man left my house. So I spent all morning, I'm texting, I'm blowing up people's phones. Do you, have a, do you have a gingerbread man that I can use at church? And a lot of you, I see some of your faces, a lot of the teachers, the, uh, the Kidmo teachers. Joanne, I hit you, jo- what time is that? Like 5.30, I hit you up. Joanne, do you have a, you have a gingerbread man? Something that looks like this guy, all right? Now here's what, I want, here's what I want you to imagine, all right? Now don't, listen, don't, don't. Don't come up to me afterwards and you're offended. This is Jesus, okay? This is supposed to be Jesus. You got me? Okay. This is us, Play-Doh. It has gluten in it too, by the way. Can you believe it? I'm playing with gluten right now. This is big, Doug, that I'm touching gluten with my hands. I don't usually do that. Pray for me. So, so this, is, this is us. This is us. What do we know about life? What does life do to us sometimes? 
What does life do to us? Life. Does life be, how many people got stretched and beat up and pulled in different directions this week? Who got beat up, pulled all over the place? Did you? Some of you, come on, wake up. Let's go. Pretend like, come on. Pretend you're being asked. You got beat up. You got pulled. And this is what life does to us. And there are certain things that happen, right? And you get a little bit uncomfortable. Oh, oh, that really hurt. I didn't like that. Why did you do that? It hurts. And sanctification, using that word. There's nothing wrong with the word. But what does it really look like? What Christ wants us to do, what the Father is looking for us to do, is to be conformed into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. So it looks like this. Now, the Plato doesn't have feelings, but if it did, it would go, ow, that hurts. Ow, that hurts. Wait, what are you doing? What are you doing to me? I don't want to be pressed that way. I don't want to be moved that way. I don't want to be in that ministry. I don't want you to do that. Why are you doing that to me? I'm preaching. Let's go. Why are you doing that to me? What's going on? And then a piece comes off. Ow. Somebody, there's a new carpet here. You better, somebody better pick that up before Pastor Linda gives me a death stare. And then another piece. I didn't like the way that felt. And this is, I mean, listen, I'm no artist, right? You know that. But this is what the goal is. This is what the goal is. That we would be like Jesus Christ, but it takes a lifetime. It is not an overnight process. And I'm telling you here, you may have doubts. You may have questions. You may have fear. You may be racked with anxiety today. But I'm here to tell you that over the course of time of your lifetime, God says, I am going to conform you into the image and the likeness of my son, Jesus Christ. Who wants to hold this? Who wants to hold this? You want to hold this? You're closest to me. I don't want to walk all the way back there. <clears throat> Doesn't that make sense though? Does that make sense? I don't know. Does that make sense? That's what it looks like. So when you leave here and people use some of those words, what does it look like? It's uncomfortable. There's conflict. It doesn't feel good as God does things, as he shapes us, as he molds us, but he knows what he's doing. Worship team, you could start to come up because you know I won't stop if you don't come up. <laughs> and God says, I'm going to leave some stuff in your life. Did you hear what I said? God says, I'm going to leave some stuff in your life. I never, I never looked at this text this way. It's, been, it's so new to me. And it reminds me of the fact that, you know what these giants were? These giants were under contract. What do I mean by that? They were working for God the whole time. God had the giants, the enemies under contract. And he said, listen, they work for me. I have them there for a reason. I know why they're there. They're there to help build your faith so that when you go in, it can be a gradual process and you can start to get stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger in your faith. That's what's happening here, friends, in the story. And he has them under contract. And you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the Apostle Paul who said, I was given a thorn in the flesh. He says even before that, to help me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in the flesh 
a messenger of Satan to torment me. And I asked him, I said, God, three times. He says, I asked him, can you take this away? And God said, no, 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 you don't understand something, Paul. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness, not strength. Wait a second. That means that God had the devil deliver a package to Paul's door. That means sometimes, I know this is, I'm not sitting on the surface right now. At times in our lives, God will allow us to have problems and will not take them away because he wants to build our faith. And it's scripture when you look at this story. How crazy is that? He wants us to grow. And how about we praise him for our problems? Can we praise him for our problems once in a while? How about a no is leading to a greater yes in our lives? And do you know what historians say? You know why this is so wild? Historians say the children of Israel could not move into the promised land because there were so many right there wild animals that were there that if God got rid of all their enemies at one time, they never would have been able to manage the land, especially all of the lions that were there. Isn't that wild? Have you ever heard that before? I never knew it until I studied this. It's crazy. What is a group of lions called? A pride, because God says, I don't want you to build up pride in your heart and to think that you did it. I want you to be connected. I want you to know that the power comes from me and me alone to take care of your giants. But I have them under contract. I've had them there the entire time. Don't you worry about it. Don't you, don't you shudder in fear. And we need to understand that these giants were a gift. The giants in your life sometimes are a gift. A gift to take you to a new level. To take you to a new place. We're always looking at, I just want comfort. I just want ease. I just want security. And God says, no, the giants, the problems that are there are there because I planted them there and I want them to be there because I'm going to do something in your life in 2019. And if you believe that, you need to stand to your feet. You believe that? Stand to your feet. We need to stop. We need to stop expecting a quick deliverance. Change. Is change uncomfortable? Is growth uncomfortable? But I'll tell you what's more painful. What's more painful is staying in the same spot where we're not supposed to be. That's even more painful. And God is saying today to someone in here, you are supposed to be moving out of a spot that you're in and I have a promised land for you and I want you to walk in it, but you keep waiting on me and God says, I'm waiting on you. I don't know. Listen, I don't know if one or two people got this, but I'm just telling you what God hit me with all week is stop looking at your problems. Stop complaining. Anybody get a gangis mask this week? Anybody? I got hit on Monday morning when I went to the gym. I got hit by my wife all week. I got hit by other people with the gong, bong, gong. Anybody else? Right? Because we complain and we grumble. Let's look back on the faithfulness of our God and how he's brought us through many trials, 
many snares, many toils. He's brought us through so much danger in our lives and he's going to continue to move us through. Don't you let the devil tell you that you're going down and then it's not going to happen. Can I give you one last thing? Can I give you one last thing? Oh no, you're done. You full? Not too long ago, I had the alarm go off in our house. The alarm went off, right? Middle of the night. Megan wasn't home. I didn't know what was going on, but I got up and I immediately turned the switch on. I went under the bed and I grabbed the Easton baseball bat that I had, right? The the bat I had and I pulled the bat out and I ran downstairs and I'm like, you know, how many of you know you've done this before and you're looking around, right? You're looking around and you know what I didn't realize the whole time? I'm looking around for an enemy and then I finally realized my headphones went off, that noise went off on my headphones because I fell asleep with the headphones in my ear and it really wasn't the alarm but I was so in just this stupor, I was so groggy and you know why I'm telling you that story? Because I'm telling us today as you leave this place, stop chasing something that should be chasing you. I was chasing an enemy that wasn't even real. Lord, Lord, I ask that this would go into our hearts, Father. Lord, take this word and use it. You know what? And you know what? The, it doesn't, it's not about what we hear, saints. It's, a, it's, a, it's the amount of word that we apply in our lives. It's what we take and apply and obey. It's not just enough to hear it and audit it. We have to take it and apply it to our lives and we need to start praising God for our problems. Lord, I ask that people in here, yeah, you know what? You do the miraculous. You part Red Seas. Yes, you do that, Lord. And you can heal people instantly like people like Bartimaeus. You do that. But Lord, Lord, I know that there are a lot of times you do things and they happen gradually. Change happens gradually. May we not be dismayed. May we not be moved. May we trust that you still know what you're doing and you're the potter and we're on the wheel and it may be uncomfortable, but we got to trust. All right, Steve, take it away. Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.